0: You're listening to the Oregon First Hunting and Fishing Podcast. Our mission is to connect with and actively engage Western Oregon outdoors. Like I want to encourage people to have a positive life change from the outdoors. Yeah. It's not just killing something. One question we ask on this show is what's your true motivation behind your life in the outdoors? What's going on deep down inside of you when you're engaging with hunting and fishing? I believe that God gave us the ability to do this. That's one way to connect with God. This is where the spiritual peace really comes in. We are a part. We have a profound impact on our resources. I don't know how to answer that rather than to say it's it's just all about Jesus. (laughs) Listen to this podcast. Join our Facebook group at Salem First Hunting and Fishing Club. Or participate in any of our club fishing trips shooting events or hunting trips hello again welcome to the show and thank you for tuning in this is bryant here with a special episode as we near the end of duck season today i'm going to talk about western oregon public land duck hunting and our very own 2023 to 24 duck season which ends in about five days from my recording of this episode but first i do have some housekeeping to get through You may have noticed that we missed getting an episode out in the month of December. Unfortunately, my old recording interface completely fried just a couple days before we were set to record. Funny enough, that was also going to be a duck hunting episode. For the uninitiated, the interface is the most important part Of a recording setup. It's the thing that allows my computer to hear the microphone that I'm talking into and actually record it. So, for the last two months, I've been searching for an interface in my price range, but I won't lie, I did take the opportunity to upgrade and get a unit that can handle a few more inputs. On top of all that, we had the ice storm, which caused a huge shipping delay, and I was elated when today I got a knock at the door from a sassy FedEx employee holding my new interface. And so I decided to get an episode out as soon as I could to let you all know the big news that we will be at the Willamette Sportsman Show this February 9th, 10th, and 11th. That is a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And any kind of information you need to know about dates and cost can be found at Willamette Sportsman Show. Just Google that. I'm sure it's WillametteSportsmanShow.com or something like that. Find us at booth 182 right next to the Bow Rack. Obviously, we won't be the only people there. There'll be some awesome vendors and speakers giving keynotes and workshops during the show. At some point, we will be recording with Nathan Endicott to talk about blacktail hunting. And uh, all around, it's going to be a great time. So come by so we can get to know who all you people are that choose to spend your time listening to our show. And uh, we'll be giving away lots of stickers and have a raffle. But here's what I'm going to do. If you mention that you listen to the show, we're going to give you double entries for the raffle for a $100 Sportsman's Warehouse gift card. We were trying to decide what to raffle off. You know, I originally thought maybe we would raffle off a gun, but that's real expensive, and I don't really know the legality of that. Then maybe we thought fishing gear, but, you know, there's a lot of people that either hunt or fish, don't do both. So instead, we're going to do a gift card, $100 to Sportsman's Warehouse. Just say the code word, BEST COAST. And we will know that you heard this episode, and you'll get double entries. Say Best Coast when you come up and say hi. So it's like a real-life promo code, Best Coast. And uh, I'll put your name down twice on the raffle sheet for that gift card. So one more time, that's February 9th through 11th in Albany at the Willamette Sportsman Show. Come say hi. Now, on to public land duck hunting. We all know this was a dismal year for waterfowl hunting. This is due to a combination of issues. Many cited the lingering effects of the bird flu spout that is still infecting some wild bird populations even now. But whether or not the bird flu is to blame, we were also crippled by the El Nino winter, the likes of which we haven't seen since 2014. This affected my duck season and my snowboarding season, so I'm a little sour about this El Nino. With the warm winter, a lot of birds had no reason to keep moving south, and they stayed in the northern region of Washington and southern Alaska for far longer than they could in previous years. See, the thing that keeps the birds moving from their summer grounds in Alaska is the freezing water. When the water freezes, they move south because they need water to feed and to avoid predators. They're waterfowl. They're not ice fowl and that's why a lot of birds can overwinter here in the Willamette Valley where we don't usually have long periods of frozen ponds and our rivers never freeze but man when we did get an ice storm here in January for those magical three days duck hunting was absolutely amazing on public ground I got to spend one of those days on the willy and I have never seen so many ducks using the river at one time. It was a perfect storm where the freezing weather finally pushed the migratory ducks into our area, and the ice storm pushed them out of the farmer's fields and private ponds into the public rivers where all of us peasants could finally get a poke at them. Ed is a guy who came on our duck hunt. That was the first time I ever met him. He had a sweet boat with a beaver tail blind and all that stuff. He was gracious enough to invite me duck hunting during that ice storm, and so we we launched, and... Went out to this special slew that he has. He wanted me to keep it a secret, and I will. But we went out there, and it was 18 degrees. On the ride out, I could barely keep my eyes open with the wind, that cold wind blowing. The temperature difference between the water and the air was so strong that the, the water was just blowing up all this steam. And then as the steam would rise and hit our boat and hit our our gear it would freeze again into frost and so we had like a thick layer of frost over everything any water that splashed up into the air and landed in the boat froze and so there was water pellets all over our gear when we finally got to the slough it was cold it was the coldest weather i've ever hunted in personally but it was worth it we got out there to that slough and even as we're setting up before sunrise and throwing the decoys out a whole flock of widgeon just come and land, like. 10 feet away from us as we're throwing the decoys out unfortunately i had some technical difficulties though as i have never hunted in this cold of weather before and i will admit my shotgun was maybe a little bit dirty because i didn't get any rounds off that morning every time i'd go to shoot it would just click no rounds firing off nothing happening you know how it is, we always start off with our rusty shells from the hunt before, so I had a pretty nasty looking shell in there, I blamed it on the round, ejected it, tried shooting some more of the next group of ducks that came in, nothing happened, and I was getting pretty frustrated so I looked at my shells that I was trying to fire and the primer cap didn't have any sign of the firing pin tapping it at all. At that point I knew something was really wrong with my gun, I wouldn't have imagined that it was frozen. Um, Ended up, I love my Benelli with the cap on the end of the tube it has a pin pusher and a little ridge in there to hook the pins so I was able to take my gun all the way down to the firing pin with no tools and when I did that I noticed that the spring and the firing pin had condensation on them that was frozen and it was just enough so the firing pin couldn't move fast enough to strike the primer hard. So then what that meant was every time ducks flew in, Ed was getting shots off left and right and dropping birds. He was thinking I'm an idiot for not shooting at these birds that are flying right into our spread. In reality, I was pulling the trigger, my gun was up, um but it wasn't firing. So eventually after taking it apart, cleaning it, I'd get a round off and then my assumption is the temperature difference of a round firing would cause condensation so that five minutes later when more birds flew in my gun was frozen once again i had to take it apart and let me tell you it was so cold that when i was done putting my gun back together each time my fingers hurt as if i had slammed them in a door like when i hit my hand with a hammer is how it felt just because they were so cold and i was pushing those pins in and and cycling rounds and doing all that with my fingers it was a painful experience um And a little bit embarrassing that Ed had five ducks and I had zero. So after the day went on, the ducks just never stopped flying. Uh, We decided to move around to a different slough and and do some jump shooting. And he was graceful enough to let me shoot his gun. And uh, I ended ended up taking a few birds home. Really nice, giant, beautiful green head. I love that I had the opportunity to take that bird. All in all, here's what I got to say. If it's 18 degrees out and everything's frozen hunt. It's worth it. It's worth suffering. Unless you're a fair weather hunter, then stay home and leave some birds for us. I'll, I'll take that. That's fine. Looking back at the beginning of season, it was so warm across the north for so long that the only people who really did good are the ones who've been at it for decades or the ones who have private access, sometimes those are the same people. I was looking at Scott Haugen's Instagram. He's just posting pictures of birds left and right. I almost didn't believe him. I began to wonder if he shot all those birds last year, and he was just posting pictures of them now. But he just had a good hole, knew where to go, had some good areas, and is also a very skilled duck hunter and a great shot. And those things combined, some guys still did good this year. But for most people, especially the beginners, it was a rough year. All those guys who've been at it for decades, you know, the ones that post pictures of limits of greenheads on tailgates, all shot before 9 a.m. I can't say I've ever had that experience, but if you figure out how to target the resident birds, those are the ones who live here year-round and don't really migrate, you can do really well in the early season before the migrants move in. In fact, we got into resident birds on our club duck hunt when we went to the Salmon River Bay, another great public land hunting spot. It was certainly bufflehead day at the bay, though. Even by December 17th, temps were hanging out in the 50s consistently with little rain compared to normal. Still, it was great shooting. Three new guys got their first birds ever. Two guys got limits. No one went home empty-handed. Buffleheads are always plentiful at the coast, and Oregon has several large bays that are open for hunting. I'm not afraid to mention the Salmon River Bay specifically, as it's actually helpful to have more hunters out there to keep the birds moving around. That's part of the reason that we did so good on our club hunting trip out there. I've never seen another hunter out there at the same time as me. So usually the birds simply settle down at the other end of the bay and stop flying until I paddle over there, and put a whole bunch of effort to maybe get a jump shot off at a bird and then they go to where I was and they land and they don't fly. So multiple groups of hunters set around the bay really kept them moving around and that's part of the reason why we had so much success. Even though we didn't have those migratory birds, normally there's wigeon out there, normally there's a few mallard, early season, always pintails, but this time we got a couple golden eyes down and the rest was all buffleheads. What I won't do when it comes to sharing spots is share specific launches and slews to hit on the willy. There are over 21 public launches on the map between Springfield and Newburgh. I counted them. What you need to do is get out there and find your own spots or join our Facebook group, Salem First Hunting and Fishing, and reach out to me and I will take you out there myself. I love going hunting with people. I wanted to cover for anyone listening who is either new to duck hunting or hasn't really duck hunted that much and wants to learn what it takes to get into it, duck hunting is one of those hunting activities that you can spend thousands of dollars to get into it, or you can start simple with stuff that you already have, which is what I did, and it's really not that huge of a barrier to entry. For example, guns. I mean, sure, not everyone has a shotgun, but it's kind of hard to meet someone who likes to hunt and fish that doesn't just have a shotgun already, for whatever reason. Now, I'm always going to recommend a 12 gauge, especially for people who are just getting into it. But a lot of those elitist guys (laughs) who have the ones I'm talking about that have been doing it forever and they refuse to shoot a bird that's sitting on the water, a lot of them actually like to challenge themselves and switch to a a 20 gauge Other people just swear by a 20 gauge and do well with it. So whatever you have, 12 or 20, but if you're going to go buy a gun for this, I definitely recommend a 12. And don't forget that ducks have really good eyesight, so camo is always best if you have it or if you can buy that. But if not, you know, you can use what you have. As far as shot size goes, I tend to shoot threes. That's my choice. Other guys will go lighter and they'll shoot fours. Other guys will go heavier and shoot twos when I'm goose hunting which i haven't done too much of i like to carry bbs with me just don't forget that no matter what shells you get they have to be steel and you don't want to shoot something like a seven that's just way too light those are more for upland birds or snipe you want to make sure to get twos threes or fours and bbs if you're thinking you're going to take really far shots or if you're going to be hunting geese you you want those stronger takedown loads Just make sure it's steel, whatever you get. The next thing you need is your... Well, this might be the first thing you need is your tags. Clear. You just need your hunting license, your federal dunk stamp, which is $25. You can get it at either the post office or at buy mart like something like that, Sportsman's. And you need your duck validation, which is essentially your duck tag, but they don't have a tag. The, the bag limit for ducks is seven ducks a day. There's some specific species limitations that you're going to want to find in the regulations, but you don't have to check a box or anything for every duck you kill like you do with a salmon. For geese in northwest Oregon, you need a northwest goose zone permit, which requires taking the goose test. And then for scoters and sea ducks, you need the sea duck permit. Uh, both of those two extra permits are two dollars, so not really too big of a deal, and not everyone needs them because a lot of people don't hunt the coast or don't hunt geese. As far as the hunting goes, there's really three things that you need. A way to get close to the birds, a way to conceal yourself, and a way to retrieve the birds. So I'll start by talking about a way to get close to the birds. Now most guys work their way up to at some point having a boat. You don't usually start with a boat or maybe you start with someone you know who has a boat and you bum rides off of them. But a boat is really the ultimate piece of gear that you can get. At some point in your duck hunting career. Like I said, not really necessary. It's kind of extra, takes a lot of money and maintenance, but they can make things a bit easier as far as hauling around and getting from place to place and even hunting off of it. I started off kayak hunting and I still love kayak hunting for ducks because you can get into smaller areas, really shallow water, hunting the tidal areas on the coast. You don't need to be as afraid of getting stuck in a sandbar or anything because you can just get out and drag your kayak across whatever you need to or go through really shallow water even in the river in the early season before the water's swollen i really like to use the kayak to get from place to place the challenge with the kayak is learning to shoot from a kayak because you're wearing a life jacket most of the time especially if you're in anywhere with the current You might feel like an idiot but it's even worth going to the trap shooting range in the summertime and wearing the life jacket that you're going to use for duck hunting and trying to shoot some rounds and see how much different it is It, it really changes everything in your aiming when you're wearing a life jacket another way to get close to the birds in the transportation conversation is land access spots there are a few areas that you can walk down to the water a lot of places on the willamette or on the bays it just leads into the next challenge of a way to retrieve the birds which we'll get to that in a minute first i'm going to bring up in the conversation of getting close to the birds decoys and calls are used by a lot of hunters it's pretty standard procedure to set out a spread of decoys and call to ducks to get them to come in it can be intimidating to learn to call like what you got to do is buy a duck call watch some how-to youtube videos and then practice in your truck when you're driving to work or when you don't need to worry about waking up the kids in the garage calls are really fun to try and to practice you know and there's just so much information online about what calls to get how to use them what different species you call and then with decoys really you just do what you have what you can you know and if you can only buy five or six decoys then that's what you start with some people will put dozens of decoys out in one area one spread normally by the end of duck season the ducks are kind of split up anyway so you don't need as big of spreads anything you can do to get those birds to come in close to you is uh what you want to do So on the next part of the conversation, you need a way to get close to the birds and you need a way to retrieve the birds. The number one way that uh, a lot of people dream of but aren't usually able to afford or invest the time into is a dog. Dogs are great because a well-trained dog will make your life easier. You can set up in a blind and sit there and the dog can do a lot of the work for you apart from the shooting. And that's a whole nother world in the realm of duck hunting. If you have the time and the money to invest into a dog, dogs are a great way to retrieve ducks. The next thing, what I end up doing, is either just straight from my kayak or my boat with a net in the boat. A net is great to have with you because you can boat past and scoop it with one hand. Or if you have a buddy in the boat with you, they can scoop it for you because sometimes it can be pretty frustrating especially in the heat of the moment when you're racing around trying to get back to your setup to, uh, you know, grab that bird. In the kayak, it's easy enough to just reach into the river and grab them. It's not that bad at all. The last piece of gear that's really helpful way to retrieve the birds is even waders. When you can set up in a shallow area and just walk out and grab the birds, walk out and move decoys, that is a great way to go with it. And I always recommend, Having waders as a part of your kit because it's really impossible most of the time to hunt from a boat, from a kayak, or even from the shore without needing to step into the water at some point. And waders just keep you warm and comfortable and dry. And finally, the third big section of what you need for duck hunting is a way to conceal yourself. Now, uh, there's lots of different ways, lots of popular ways, lots of expensive ways, and a few cheap ways on how to do this. First of all, the most popular thing is blinds. Some people have the opportunity to build permanent blinds on ponds or I've even seen them on the sides of the river for people who own the property there. There's a bunch of different kinds of blinds. There's the the classic blind you think of that's made out of brush that you sit inside of. There's layout blinds that you lay down and cover yourself and then jump up when the birds come. Not as popular here in the Northwest, but in other parts of the country there's pit blinds where you lay in a pit in a field or they're even big enough to stand a lot of the time and still be concealed and hidden finally is natural blinds and that's what you end up doing a lot of time on public land such as the river or the bays where you just kind of have what you have and put some sticks in front of you and hope that you're concealed enough a lot of boats people will build fold-up blinds that they lay with grass or tarps that they pop up to conceal themselves You're going to want to wear camo now i know with deer and elk hunting it's real popular to not wear camo i mean as long as you stay still in that sense it's really easy to still harvest an animal but when it comes to birds ducks specifically they're coming in from up high they're scanning they're looking for anything they can see that might be wrong and they have great eyesight they can see really well so If you're standing out there in an orange jacket, they're going to spot you. They're never going to come in close. Uh, One thing that people mess up on is they don't cover their face. And our faces look like a big, white, shining satellite dish scanning around, looking, moving all around. So when the birds are coming in, you want to be able to rely on your camo, have your face covered and your hands covered, but also try to limit your movements so that way those birds don't see you before they come into your spread. So the nice part about hunting the Willamette is that you're never too far from a public launch and can easily hunt from a small boat or even a kayak. The problem is by the end of season the ducks know they're being hunted and you need to get real good at concealing yourself in your vessel. Unfortunately for me my kayaks are bright blue and orange because they weren't originally purchased as hunting kayaks and I can usually do good in the bays. But on the river, those ducks are on high alert and will circle multiple times before committing. I took a guy out from the Salem First Hunting and Fishing Club on Saturday after the freeze when the river was near flood stage and all the fields were thawed. While there were a few birds in the river, the large numbers that I saw just a few days before during the ice storm were nowhere to be found as they would rather hang out in a flooded field with lots of feed than be shot at in the river. That day I only fired 3 shots and killed 2 birds, a coot and a teal, so not really too much meat taken that day. The weary mallards and wigeon would circle the decoys and they'd really react good to calls. Like Even if I saw them flying down the main channel and called at them, they'd at least turn and look. But as soon as they saw those kayaks in the bushes, they were gone. All in all, it was a tough season for duck hunters around the country and we in the Pacific Northwest were not spared. But there were a few fluke days where hunting was great. You just have to get out and try. You never know what day that's going to be. I mean, certain times it's obvious, like during an ice storm. But there's other days where you just get a group of migrants coming through and, and you end up having a really good shoot. Those guys that have been at it for a long time, the ones I keep bringing up that I'm jealous of that have good duck holes nailed down, they could consistently kill birds. But this was not the season for beginners. Now that this season is winding down and we can start thinking about spring turkey don't overlook the late goose season that runs from February until March this year and will give some an opportunity to redeem their sorry duck seasons. I hope that whether you've been duck hunting for a long time or you're just getting into it hope you had a great season hope that next season's better for everybody and I want to say thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. We're excited to be back. Get ready for some good episodes coming out in the following months as we have some exciting guests lined up. And finally, I just want to extend the invite. If you do not have a home church, I want to invite you to come sit with me at Salem First Nazarene. We have services at 1045 on Sundays, and we're located on Market Street in Salem, Oregon. If I don't see you then, see you in a couple weekends at the Willamette Sportsman Show. Thanks for listening.